You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. I'm Walker Mail alongside Doug Branson. No, not a Edwards today. Getting a root canal done. Oh, awful. Root canals are the worst. And I don't know what the recovery time is for a root canal. So I don't know exactly what day he'll be back. Could be tomorrow, I guess. Could I think, be Wednesday. I don't know what the recovery time is. I think he's day to day. I think that's safe to say. Now, what's worse, having a root canal or watching the end of that game against Philadelphia, the Hornets squander another 60 point or another huge Kimball Walker performance away. No, I'll tell you what's worse for me. <laughs> it's watching the Philadelphia game. I'm sure Nada would probably go with the root canal, but I'll go with the Philadelphia 76ers game. That was worth worse for me personally. Check us out on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Nada the Scribe, at Doug Branson LOH, and you can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets. So Hornets, they do lose another close game. Another one to the Philadelphia 76ers, 122-119. to They do it in overtime just after they hit. They came back from five points down in overtime. And you think, okay, this is going to be it, right? This is going to be such a fantastic night. Kimba goes for 60. We might go to another overtime. So we're, we're even seeing 65 on the horizon. Is 70 within the realm of possibility? We just need Jimmy Butler to hit to miss this one last shot. And it goes right through the bucket. Six-tenths of a second left. Nothing legitimate. Nothing real that the Hornets could do. And Hornets now 2-18 and 18 in their last 20 games decided by one possession boy am i tired of that statistic Uh, that's getting old really quickly that's awful the hornets losing those many close games that's got to be maddening to any fan of any sport to constantly be in it it's the old discussion of would you rather get blown out or would you rather lose by a possession like i've always gone with the close game i'd rather i always went that way and i probably still would but it, it's it's these hornets fans that probably are best equipped to answer that more than anybody because again the 2 and 18 record in one possession games that's maddening for any fan for any franchise to see that stat across your franchise and i don't know how you feel about this walker but i think the hornets have revealed themselves as they are currently constructed. They have revealed themselves to all of us. They are screaming at us, trying to tell us who they are. And they are very similar to the team last season, except Kimball Walker is playing even better and everyone else playing even worse. Yeah, it is bad. And you look at these guys just not being efficient basketball players. Even Jeremy Lamb, who did have 20 points, he didn't do it in an efficient way. I believe he had six shots made on 18 field goals. Missed attempted. five threes. Missed five threes. You have Nick Batum actually being a little bit more efficient than you've seen him. But and we'll get to Nick Batum in a minute. But didn't even play that much in the fourth quarter. Three minutes in the fourth in crunch time. Borrego chose to sit, to seat him. And Dwayne Bacon got some legitimate minutes. And Malik Monk on a god-awful stretch right now that you hoped would end when they came back home. It was a god-awful road trip for Malik, and he opens up the home stretch that they have here with two other games on the tail end of this Philadelphia 76ers game. Malik goes 0-5. 
in 11 minutes of play. So Borrego couldn't play him, and the size played a big part in that as well. So you couldn't play Malik Monk. But it, it's the Kimball Walker show, and you didn't have anybody else step up on the offensive end, and MKG was out, so you can't rely on his defense. That would have really helped in this game. But it's, it's Kimba going for 60, which I can probably count on one hand how many times I've seen somebody go for 60. We can go to Mello and LeBron, who did it against the Bobcats in that one year. We can go to Devin Booker, who did it last season, who got 70. But you you don't see 60 points scored very often. Like 50 points you can see every now and then. It's noteworthy, but you don't remember all the 50-point performances you've seen. Like I remember all the 60-point performances that I've watched live, and that's one I'm always going to remember, and it's unfortunate that it has to be backed by a loss. 60 points on 62% shooting from the field. Like It's an, it's an extremely efficient 60 points, 43% on six made threes. And then he adds seven rebounds and four steals to that number as well. I mean, he really, he was the Charlotte Hornets in almost every quarter. And they they really needed some of the auxiliary members, the Marvin Williams, the Nick Batums to step up in that first quarter because uh, they were they were getting hammered by the Philadelphia 76ers who once again came out ready to play and the Hornets did not. But that, that's, to me, is when you want to see Nick Batum and Marvin Williams step up and save Kimba for those late-game heroics. Marvin Williams hit one field goal in this game in 27 minutes. Nick Batum did not hit a field goal in this game. He had a goose egg in the score column in 19 minutes of play. Cody Zeller only had four field goals made. You go to the bench. Malik Monk, can you provide the secondary scoring, please? Malik Monk goes 0-5, does not have a field goal. Tony Parker who has done a fantastic job this season, he only gives you one field goal. It's amazing they were even in this game. <laughs> like, when you look at that stat, when you look at all of those guys and the lack of field goals that they made, it's amazing that they were even in overtime to begin with. So you look at Kemba Walker scoring 60 and the rest of the team scoring 59 in an extremely inefficient way. It leads you to the question of how can the Charlotte Hornets help Kimba Walker? And it seems like the national NBA Twitter has, they have adopted this question now of how can the Hornets help Kimba Walker, right? It's either Charlotte needs to trade Kimba for his own good so the Hornets can rebuild or that the Hornets can finally put Kimba out of his misery. You're seeing a lot of that from national NBA Twitter and Charlotte Hornets Twitter, or it's get this guy some help. What can the Hornets do to help Kimba Walker? And that's a discussion that's interesting because I don't know what you can do, especially with this cap situation right now. Like it's going to be tough to try to improve this team. And remember James Borrego comes in and he hitches himself all to player development. Well, now Malik Monk is playing 11 minutes per game in a tight one. Yes, you can look at size for being the matchup, but Malik Monk has been very bad. So at what point can you not play him if you want to win a game? I mean, do, at what point do you have to sacrifice? I can't give him time because we're not winning. Miles Bridges is playing, so that's really good. But And Dwayne Bacon is is playing at least now at 29 minutes. But Malik Monk was the number one guy that you looked at. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Borrego decides to divvy up the minutes between these younger guys and if it comes at the expense of actually winning these basketball games. Yeah, right now, Miles Bridges is a highlight reel impact player, but until he improves defensively, which really just takes time in regard to rookies. It's all about reps. So that's just going to be time with him. But what's frustrating, Walker, is that I feel like the Charlotte Hornets are generating good shot opportunities. 
the ball movement's there. The execution is there, except when it comes to knocking down shots. Like, I don't think Malik Monk is necessarily taking bad shots. They're just not going in. Well, right. Same thing for Marvin. Same thing for Batum. He's getting good catch-and-shoot opportunities. I think with Batum, the issue that I have is aggressiveness. You saw Bacon eat all of his minutes in that second half, and I think part of that was Borrego looking for someone to get to the basket, go up against Embiid one-on-one, and try to try to give the Hornets something offensively where Batum was just giving them turnovers. Yeah, Nick Batum was fine defensively. I mean, I think he's contributed on that end of the floor for the Hornets. Defense isn't their problem. But, but right, but you look at offensive, uh, and look, Nick Batum, just not an efficient basketball player, okay? Like, you look at the last couple of seasons before this one, he shot 41%, he shot 40%. He's actually shooting better, believe it or not, and he's shooting that on two shots less per game than he took last season, but he's shooting 44%. He's actually shooting 39 from the three uh, from three point land but Nick Batum like there's too many games where you see Nick just not score like a goose egg is atrocious but there's too many games where you see Nick just score seven I mean Nick Batum just is not going to give you buckets and and for all of this talk about facilitating you know it you can't just look at assists to see how he moves the ball around but he is averaging the lowest amount of assists that he's had since you can go all the way back to 2011 and 2012. And that's by a whole assist, by the way. That was when he averaged four point. I think the next closest he had was 4.9 was the less or was the next lowest in that time span. Like you have to go to 2011, 2012 when he averaged 1.4 assists. So it's it's not like he's not even leading two buckets directly. Nick is not playing good on and that I, side of the floor. And I think we can bury the argument that Nick Batum makes Kimba Walker better. No. Oh, right? Where's 60, Nada? 60 points last night. Nada I, just know twist during Walker? his root canal. <laughs> he doesn't even know why. And it wasn't the pain. Yeah, he's completely, he, he has Novocaine <laughs> running through his body and yet still felt his pain. His Batum senses are tingling. Because Nada would argue that very hard. I mean, it's somebody that, yeah, you see him on Twitter, but I agree with you. Kimba like, makes Kimba better. No, Kimba was amazing. Kimba is generating his own offense. He does not need any help generating offense at this point. But here's here are the numbers for... Nick Batum in November, seven points, five rebounds, four assists on 42% shooting from the field, 38% from three, but only on three attempts, yeah. which would have been fine in you know 1997. So that means you're making one. Making that, means one he, out of three. that means he's providing you one three-pointer. 1.1 1. 1 of three. Not good enough in my mind. <laughs> I think and in Borrego's mind too, by the way, he hasn't, in, in se- several of these close games now, you've seen Borrego go to someone else. He's searching for someone else and that someone else is not the player that is your highest paid player. And, and Marvin doesn't deserve any any kind of slack here. I mean, Marvin defensively, I think he matters a lot organizationally to that defense. But you, you got to hit more than one shot, too. And I'm a big Marvin defender, but Marvin, th- this is bad now. This has been really bad, his out- offensive output this season. And you just hope that you can that you can find something productive there on that end of the floor. But he just has not been able to give it to you. This season of giving, we're giving you daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed. We need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month. Just $1. You'll be supporting the content that you depend on. Patreon.com slash LOH. Again, patreon.com slash LOH. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more. There is a certain NBA all-star that is now on the market. A couple of all-stars. We'll see if the Hornets could possibly make a move for one of them. It's Walker Mail and Doug Branson on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. 
Did we like the Marco Bellinelli experiment here no. in Charlotte, or are we glad that he's kind of gone? I, I, I'm one of those kind of glad he's gone. One of the, I, one of the only players that has blocked Locked On Hornets on Twitter. Did he block us? <laughs> yeah. He blocked us. I, did, what, Some, did, for did we hate on him? Did we come at him for something? Or? So I may have said, and I didn't at him or anything like that, but I may have said that his defense on LeBron James at one point resembled that of a potted plant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked on Hornets podcast as we all try to still deal with the hangover. That's probably a two-day long hangover from the Hornets loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. It was a really close one for some reason. We like to play the 76ers extremely close to the point of a couple of overtimes, and you just can't quite get over the hump. And Jeremy Lamb, I believe you tweeted this out, or Doug, maybe somebody else did, but Jeremy Lamb was asked, why can't they beat the Philadelphia 76ers? What is it about them that they get so close yet they just can't do it? And Jeremy just said, I don't know. Like, I have no clue. And I think that's probably pretty good. No, not a great, but I think it speaks to, and I think Tony Parker, I'm reading this Rick Bennell tweet right now, this Tony Parker quote. Uh, on losing to the Philadelphia 76ers by like five or six points. It was now. six points combined. Six points three combined. Losses. He said it affects the energy. I think it has a psychological effect on this team that they can't beat, that they can compete with, but cannot defeat a team like the 76ers, which to me is the entry point into Eastern Conference contention as the Philadelphia 76ers. Well, especially with those being the top five teams. I mean, that that's the... Them, Indiana, Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee, those are going to be the five teams that you want. That's that's Eastern Conference relevance, right? Those are the teams that you're discussing any kind of deep playoff run with, and nobody else matters. Maybe they, maybe you care about who makes it on the bottom, but that's the only teams. Those are the only teams that matter when you talk about the real picture of it. And so now, you know, with Kimba Walker scoring 60 points, everyone discussing the performance, how can you get him help? What do you need to do to find players that can score and take some of the burden off of Kimba Walker to not single-handedly win you games? Because nobody else has been able to do it. Again, we, we've referenced this quite a bit. Malik Monk gave you that a couple of times at the beginning of the season. Malik Monk hit a huge shot against Milwaukee, but then Nick Batum, I believe, airballs the three-pointer in that game at the end when if he would have hit that, they would have had a shot. So you get that from Malik. Malik hits a couple of jump shots against Miami, and you win that game. That's a close game that you actually come out on top, but then you don't have anybody else, right? We don't have another performance at the end of a close game where you're like, oh, there's a guy that hit a shot that was crucial. Jeremy Lamb was a part of that five-point comeback, and that was a little something, and sometimes it's just luck, right? Like Jimmy Butler hits a three-pointer. You know, Sometimes it's just luck in that regard, but... Jeremy Lamb at least gave you something, but it, it's not, I don't think it's a noticeable thing, and they lost the game. So now, who can you get to go help Kimba Walker? Well, that seems to be the discussion. So now, as we ask that question, we just learned a couple of hours as of this recording, so we're recording at 2 o'clock, we learned a couple of hours ago, on a Woj tweet that the Wizards have let teams know they are willing to shop both John Wall and Bradley Beal, and every Whoa! single player on the roster Hold on. is up for grabs. 
Depending on what kind of offer you're willing to make for Washington, they are willing to part ways with John Wall and Bradley Beal. They're 5-11. and 11. There was a stretch where they were getting destroyed by even bad teams in the NBA. And now what they've decided to do is head into a completely different direction. Now, apparently, it is their preference to build a team surrounding Bradley Beal and John Wall, but it seems like those two guys could certainly be gone. So if you talk about this from a Charlotte Hornets perspective, John Wall's out. Because we got Kimba, who's better. Kimba's just better, certainly right now. So you're taking Kimba Walker, and you're not trading for John Wall, and you're not trading for that massive contract. He's going to be making thirty-five million dollars. You just John Wall's out of the out of out of the out of the Ow. realm of possibility. So now you're thinking Bradley Beal, and it certainly looks like that's probably the guy that is most intriguing for every single NBA team out there. Every single team is going to want three-point shooting. Every team is going to like the fact that he's really had an uptick in efficiency in his two-point shooting from like three. His third year in the NBA, it was a huge shot from like 43% to 48 to 50. Like he's an efficient basketball player now and can shoot from beyond the arc. And so he's also making $28 million, right? Big contract, but not crazy stupid. What can you do to get Bradley Beal to the Charlotte Hornets? And Doug, is that even possible? It's a chance for a draft redo, the MKG draft redo, essentially. I, I don't know. I, I When I look at the pieces, player pieces, that they could offer to the Washington Wizards, I, I can't figure out a combination that would be attractive enough paired with, with one first-round pick, which to me would mean that they would need to offer multiple first-round picks and, and essentially mortgage the future for an opportunity to bring a Bradley Beal in and, and save this season. I'm not sure that that's intelligent, and I'm not sure that that would be something that this Hornets organization would want to do. Mitch Kupchak seems very uh, uh, focused on on maintaining future assets. So if you, I, I think that there is a way. I think that there is a path if you really wanted to. That doesn't require multiple first rounds. It probably requires one, but I think, I, I think, <laughs> It, require, it requires Washington to be very sleepy at the time that the deal is made. You think? Do you think there's zero way? I think if you, just, if who's you, been playing well enough to convince? If if you were to get if you were to get rid of a Malik Monk, so if Washington felt okay, we like Malik Monk enough, we want to get. Well, how you do this is you usually have to get rid of expiring contracts, and you have to get rid of assets, and you have to get to get rid of young players that people think have room to grow. So Malik Monk, he fits the room to grow aspect. At still a player that's very young, maybe Washington they like him enough to their they want to develop him. Now Miles Bridges would certainly also fit that bill. So maybe one of the young guys in both of those players, maybe one of those included with a Jeremy Lamb expiring contract, so they could get off of him and. In a year, and you could figure out what else you want to do with that seven and a half million that Jeremy's making. And then maybe you go with Marvin, who's going to opt in his player option, and then he'll be on your books for 15 million. But at least you get a veteran guy. He's one of those Vince Carters on an Atlanta Hawks deal, right? Like that's that's something that you would like. And you would have to get rid of a first rounder, maybe unprotected. But I think that would at least be intriguing enough to where you don't slam the phone down. I don't, I think that you actually hear that one out. Now, I don't know if that would win. I don't know if the Hornets would put together any. Anything like that? Maybe you trade a Cody Zeller instead of a Marvin Williams. At one point, you can't be getting rid of Cody, Marvin, Malik, and all of those guys, right? And then bringing back somebody else to just make the money even. But I think there at least is a path to make something intriguing. Ultimately, Doug, I would agree with you. I'm not slamming the phone down like you are, but ultimately, I would agree that it's probably just not going to happen. 
Yeah, I just I can't come up with a combination that that would be a Beely good deal. Oh, that was bad for the Washington Wizards. <laughs> that was bad. Out of all of the ones that you've given me, where where where's the where's the losing sound? Play that for yourself right now. The losing sound. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. The just Beely on the record, you made me play that. I did not play that for myself. I thought it was a Beely good joke. <laughs> I did make you play that, and I stand by the decision. Here's, so, I have an idea really quickly for a deal that I think is more realistic, realistic right. even. It's for Otto Porter, who is, whose contract just happens to match Batum's contract almost perfectly and if you haven't been paying attention to the Washington Wizards, congratulations, you enjoy basketball. But Otto Porter is kind of having a down year as well. Not a terrible year, but, you know, he gets, there's a lot of talk about how he's underperforming because the Wizards are underperforming and because he was paid a lot of money, just like Nick Batum. A lot of the same kind of threads going on there with Porter. But if if both of these teams can get together and say, look, we got two guys they are not playing well in their current positions. How about we swap them? See if a change of, you know, the hashtag change of scenery. I don't know. I mean, it's to me, it's worth a shakeup at this point. Something's if you're, if you're Washington, because I say Washington says hell no to that deal. That's the one where I'm kind of slamming it down. You, th- you think Washington would do that? To me, the difference is 30 and 25. And Nick Batum is 30 years old, shooting less from the field, and Otto is 25 years old. I don't know. Anything can happen. (laughs) All right, very good. (laughs) Very good. So now Nick Batum, being an inefficient basketball player, even now, like, and I've talked about this with with Rick before, about playing guys, and it it doesn't apply to Nick Batum, because, but do you... It doesn't apply to Nick Batum because he's played enough, but like trying to hide some of the people that you want to trade, right? Like, or do you play them enough? Like, it's interesting to see what coaches have to do and what kind of word they get from their general manager to either try to maximize the value of a player or try to hide some of their flaws. And because because they're on the on the market, you know what I'm saying? Like if, if Nick Batum was like that, I just don't know what kind of value teams would see in Nick Batum. So I don't think that he's a guy that the Washington Wizards would ever consider taking right now. But I agree, like Otto Porter, I would do that deal. I mean, if you're a Hornet fan, you do that deal right now. And so we'll see if Otto Porter is somebody that some anybody else goes for. Batum's minutes are down. In October, he played 33.9. In November, 27.6. And do note, the two games against Philly in November, 17 minutes, 19 minutes. So clearly, Borrego does not think that Philly is a great matchup for Nick Batum. Couple fans on Twitter suggesting that they mercifully send him to a contender because send they just Kimba. don't want to see yes, Kimba Walker. They don't want to see Kimba have to deal with this hell of an organization anymore. It's, what do you say to those people? That's not that's not reality. Like that's that's not how any of this works. Uh Kimba Walker is a Charlotte Hornet, is the best asset that they have. And and I think Kimba wants to see this team contend. And was hoping, like all of us were hoping, like Borrego was hoping, like Kupchak was hoping, that you would see more internal improvement to date. And I'm sure it's frustrating for him. He said after the game, he was pissed off they lost this game. Yeah, and here's my thing about sending Kemba to a contender. One, if if you're sending him to a contender, 
What does a contender have or a team that's a Kemba away from being a contender? What do they have that would be worth your while to bring on? Because if you're taking first round picks, it's probably only going to be one. I mean, he's not worth a ton, right? Like, let's say that he's worth two. Then if they're a contender, then you're thinking that those picks are going to be late first rounders. And I don't think you're taking Kemba Walker for first round selections that are later than 25. And so I just don't know what would make sense trading him to a contender as it, from a team that's a point guard away. And when we talk about teams that are point guards away, like who comes to mind that's just a point guard away from being in the championship or going to a conference finals? Like I, I don't have San any t- Antonio, maybe. Maybe, but they're, I mean, that's Golden State and Houston. Houston's starting to click right now. Like, I don't know if San Antonio is a Kemba away from really competing. Maybe, you know, maybe San Antonio is the one that you would go for, but they also like DeShante Murray. Like, is that something they'd be willing to part with? You know, I, I don't know. Maybe would give them out. I mean, they did the problem with San Antonio. One of the big problems they have is outside shooting. So that's why I go to. Yeah. And may, maybe San Antonio is it. But there, there's not too many teams that I think would fit that bill that would require you to send Kim a Walker packing to a contender and get something realistic and legitimate that would help this Charlotte Hornets team. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and kind of relive the nostalgia that was on Classic Night against Philadelphia. Maybe some of the more positive things that happened. It was during the halftime. It was during when everybody was reliving in the good old days of the Charlotte Hornets team. So we'll be back with that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. 10, Al Jefferson. 9, Anthony Mason. 8, Gerald Wallach. 7, Baron Davis. 6, Del Curry. 5, Glenn Rice. 4, Muggsy Bogues. 3, Larry Johnson. 2, Alonzo Mourning. Nice. Number 1, top Charlotte Hornet of all time, Kimba Walker. Thank you, everybody. The list is done. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Hornets podcast. As you just heard, we'll be talking about the Charlotte Hornets top 10 Hornets list of all time voted by the fans, even though on Twitter it doesn't seem like they all agreed with what the actual list ended up being at 10 for Kimball Walker to be, I believe, was was Kimball Walker the third best Hornet of all time in that list? And Alonzo, eventually, he did get number one. People reminding me very astutely, by the way, that Kimba was the best Hornet of all time. I think he I made... showed that pretty definitively <laughs> on the night yeah. where they celebrated the I, list. I would agree. I think that the Hornets have to move him up now to number one based on their list. But Muggsy Bogues, Glenn Rice, Baron Davis, Alonzo Mourning, and Kendall Gill all came back to celebrate their selection into the top ten Hornets of all time. But, Doug, you think the celebrations, they're sweet, but they're also bittersweet in a way. Well, it's sweet because we all have that affinity to those classic teams, to that era. And and Muggsy, uh, they, you know, they had some pregame availability, some of these uh, classic Hornets, and Muggsy talked to that, that it was such a, it was such a different atmosphere then. And, you know, 26,000 people in the old Charlotte Coliseum came every night and, and cheered like it was their last game. And you just don't get that same sense around the team anymore for a variety of reasons, both historical and, um, you know, and just present day. Uh, they, they just haven't been in contention for so long and, and people are a little lethargic. So you see the video of that happening and then you look around on a Saturday night when it should have been an easy, it should have been easy to get people there. 
and it just hasn't been easy uh, for for a variety of reasons. So it is sweet to relive those times, but it's also bittersweet because you wish those times were rolling right now, despite watching the best Hornet of all time in his prime, Kimba Walker. Yeah, it's rough to see Kimba again. He goes, it's been the theme of the show, watching him go for 60 and not be able to win that game. And those were some great teams, and it was really cool to see a bunch of those guys. Like Glenn Rice, probably the best offensive player for a three-year stretch, the best three-stretch, three-year run that a Hornet has ever had. You know, Zoe was still amazing. Like, I know people hate that Zoe was the number one guy, and I understand that he did want out of Charlotte at that time. Zoe still, offensively and defensively. I mean, he was a defensive menace here with the Charlotte Hornets down low during that era of basketball basketball you can go to all these guys and they were special in their own way and it was cool to acknowledge that but also now no you're right it's it's tough to see this Hornets team just kind of bogged down with a bunch of contracts that are not good and you can't really pull off some huge move at least they haven't and it's really tough to pull off some huge move in order to swing the pendulum Kupchak's done it before but no, it's has. going to be very very difficult if but if one guy can do it I think you know Kupchak is certain that's probably one of the reasons why they brought him in uh, I thought it was interesting Muggsy Kendall and Alonzo all agreed that if they had kept that core group together, there was some regret. That's why it's bittersweet too, because there is regret amongst those players that they did not hold that core together because I think they all agreed that they could have given that Eastern Conference, even with Michael Jordan and his greatness, they could have given that Eastern Conference a run for for its money. They would have probably been, in my eyes, you would have probably been looking at like an Indiana Pacers team. You know, you would have, they, would have, they would have been another Pacers team that, that was probably have, one shot that, away from right, going to the finals. That they would they would go to the conference finals and they would lose to Michael Jordan. But it would have been interesting for that 95-96 year. And it would have, know, and or 94-95. And it could have set the franchise on a different path that maybe did not lead to New Orleans. Now there's a lot again, there's a lot of what ifs no, there. Right. But I think if if those if if those pieces come into place then you're you're talking about a franchise that probably sticks around in Charlotte. Another interesting thing is that they asked uh, Kendall Gill, who, by the way, does not look like he has aged a year. Well, the the there's some gray in the beard, but if he shaves the if he shaves the beard, then it's done, right? I just, I mean, I was just so surprised. I'm like, man, Kendall looking sharp, and he's a TV guy, so this makes sense, right? You know, what I mean, he does a lot of broadcast stuff for. Maybe it. it's just touch of gray then, just to look a little bit. The more beard is not weird. It's not like no, it's the, not. It's not no, like it's the not. Uh, for men commercial that uh, that Emmett Smith did. But they asked Kendall about like why are so many former Charlotte Hornets players going into broadcasting? You got Gill, you've got David Wesley, several other guys. I've got Baron Davis is doing stuff I think for ESPN. So you got a lot of guys going uh, off to be broadcasters. And, and here's what he had to say: Well, because you're always in front of the camera. You know, when when we were here, we were the only show in town. The Panthers weren't here. Uh, there were no other professional sports around. You know, you had, of course, North Carolina and Duke and Wake Forest and basketball and all that. But as far as prof- professional sports is, are, is concerned, you know, you didn't have anything here. Uh, and therefore, that put you in the camera, uh, in front of the camera most of the time. So uh, it allowed you to, to get camera ready. I remember some uh, sometimes the the crew would give me the mic and have me interview other players. And then actually, that's where I got my start. Putting the other players 
that you were paying They're to play basketball <laughs> to interview well, and other the, players. And those guys are fun. Like I remember even as a kid, I remember having this NBA blooper video. And I think probably people will remember this. There was that year, God, when Armand Gilliam was on the team. So that would have been like, what, 89, 90, something like that. And they did a blooper reel. They came out with it. And the Hornets were featured pretty heavily with J.R. Reed and Muggsy Bogues and Armand Gilliam. Like the Hornets team, for some reason, they've had some personalities that you would – that you would say that were fun, that they were interesting guys to watch and be around, and they had no problem being in front of the camera and having a personality. You had, Yeah, you had players with personality, which is a little easier, I think, when you have elite talent on your team like Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson. It's a lot more fun when you're winning 56 games, a lot easier to be goofier. Um, but also, this current Hornets team has assembled a lot of no-nonsense guys, chemistry guys, players that play well with each other, uh, but don't necessarily have a lot of personality in front of the camera. So it's, it's, it is just different. Muggsy mentioned uh, during that availability that they all used to come out. Like we all know that Muggsy and LJ were in space jam, but they also used to come out of the tunnel to, I believe I can fly. <laughs> Those guys are great, man. Like they would just, the, the stuff like that. See, that this I just, is the bittersweet part of wandering down nostalgia lane. Look, nostalgia is a double-edged sword. Like it's really cool to think back on that time, but it also illuminates a, a lot of the frustrations that fans have now. And uh, I, I hope that circumstances uh, can fall, you know, some pieces can fall into place that, that can get that franchise back again. Cause I think there are people out there that want to go to the arena that want to support this team in the way that this team was supported. Uh, you can't exactly recapture that feeling of getting your first professional franchise, but I think the Hornets can get pretty close, uh, but they have to win playoff series. I mean, it's bottom line. Take us back to the promised land, Mitch. Hopefully he can. We'll see what he can do. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. Got the Boston Celtics tonight. We'll be back with you tomorrow for a recap.